You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome to the program already in progress. It's hour two on this Thursday. Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. Glad to have you on board. Check in with the Toronto Raptors, Nick Nurse, their great head coach. He's part of my great trivia question I have. Have that for him coming up in about 20 minutes from now. Phone calls always welcome here on the program. 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address, dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at dpshow. I'm being asked by uh, Marcus in Syracuse. Uh, Dear Mr. Patrick, as the commissioner of the AUAA, you have been mainly silent on the return of the league. Do you have a statement to make on the current status of the league and a potential return? Uh, The American Unathletic Association of America... I am ready to go where anybody will have us. We'll go anywhere. Nobody the, uh, wants us. going to have a bidding process here, or uh, I don't think so. Like we're we're if they want us to go to Disney World and we'll play our league down there, I'll go there. They want us to go to Arizona, I'll go there. It doesn't matter. Wherever we're wanted, we will go and play the American Unathletic Association of America. Yes, Paul. What if our current state asks us to go, if you know what I mean? What if they don't even want us? They want us to leave. Yes, they yeah. would like, yes. we'd like you to excuse <laughs> you from the state. Yes. We don't want you. We want you to leave. All right, we'll get to phone calls here. McLevin has a poll question. Are we going to stay with that poll question? Yeah. Uh, do you have a problem with uh, networks pumping in fan uh, crowd noise? 50-50. So people are totally split. I'm surprised. I thought people would. Social media seemed to be against it last night. Well, that's what you told me this morning. And I thought, okay, I I understand it. I would like to hear all of the sounds of a game that you wouldn't normally hear. Now, I don't know if we grow tired of that. I don't know if we have to be. Does somebody have to tell us when to cheer or help us cheer? If I'm watching a game at home and I'm watching with my guys, you know, my family, you're going to celebrate. I don't need the crowd noise to tell me to celebrate or help me celebrate there. I'd like to hear the uh, the ambient sound there. I think that would be interesting to hear that. Basketball, definitely. I want to hear that. And I'm sure you might have to have a seven-second delay with some uh, frisky language there. Yes, Paul? I, Seton, I know, has watched a few soccer games. I watched a few soccer matches where there's no crowd for different reasons. Sometimes... There's different political reasons, uh, reasons where crowds get barred from the premises. Mm. It's weird because there's a mental cues in your head that aren't being served. Like when a guy runs in to get a goal, the, the guy still celebrates. He runs and his teammates are going crazy on top of him, but there's not the background of the noise to go with it. And it doesn't make sense in your head. It's like, it's very disconcerting. You get used to it, mm. but not, not really. I, I, I'm okay. At this point... I don't care what it is that I have to put up with as long as I get to see a product on the field. If you don't have sound, if you do have sound, if you have cardboard cutout fans there, I'm okay. This is not the way it's going to be. This is the way it probably will be for at least this year. After that, we should return to normal, whatever normal is after that. All right, uh, you can watch on YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show, all three hours. And uh, you can listen on our 362 radio affiliates around the country. States are looking to open up. How can they help some of these sports leagues? I mentioned that Florida is open for business, for uh, getting leagues down there. Uh, NCAA loosening up rules on underclassmen with the NBA draft. So there's a lot of things that are on the table right now. Probably not one definitive headline today. 
It feels like there's a, a couple of things that are percolating, and I don't know where we go. It feels like it's every day, almost every hour, where we're going, wait, now what is California doing? Because yesterday it was like, we're going to extend the stay at home for three more months. And then all of a sudden you had somebody walk it back and the mayor of L.A. go, no, not quite sure. We're going to do three months. This is going to affect sports. And this is what we do. We cover sports. The aspect of the element of sports and how it's affected by this is what we've been talking about with the Pac-12. We've been talking about the NFL teams in California as well. These are all real things. How they play out, we don't know. But these are all real things that are being discussed. Do the NFL teams in, in California have to play elsewhere to start out the season? Do you share a stadium? And these are the contingency plans. What happens with the Pac-12 teams? What happens to the teams in California? What happens to UCLA? What happens to USC? What happens to Stanford? Are we waiting for college football season to start? Other parts of the country open for business. I certainly understand that. And one other thing I wanted to say I, and I hope you, if you're listening and you've listened for a while, then you trust me when I'm telling you something. I, I don't play political games. I don't troll. I don't want to weaponize anything here. I don't mention anything about presidents. I don't. I try not to do any of that. I don't want to do that. You have enough of that if you want it. The reason why this is so close to home for me in a variety of ways is I have a compromised immune system. Okay. So it is a little more important. It, it is personal for me. When I tell you this, I have to take precautions every single day. I go to work. I go home. I don't go anyplace else. Home, work. That's it. But I have to do that. My children, my son came back from Singapore. I said, you have to quarantine for 14 days. He went to Vermont and he quarantined for 14 days. My daughter is in California, has been out there for six weeks because I didn't want her to come back to New York. If she comes back to New York, she has to quarantine. They know the risk. I know the risk. That's why when I tell you this, it's personal for me. I haven't lost anybody close to me. I haven't felt any symptoms here. And I said to the Danettes, if you feel like you're sick or you don't want to come in, you stay at home. And Fritzy's at home. McLovin's at home and Seton's at home. Paulie keeps a 20-foot distance from me in here. We've cut the staff in half of those who show up. So this isn't about politics. And I know people want to grab it and make it political. It's not. This is personal, okay? Not political. I hope you know me well enough and you trust me that I would not do that. That's not what this show does. So when I brought it up yesterday, and I even was done with the show and my wife was surprised. She said, I'm surprised that you brought it up. And I said, because it's personal. Every single day, you wake up and you worry about other people around you. Who's wearing a mask? Who's not? Where you go? Like, these are all things that are real to me. Maybe not to you. I have a friend in Arizona, and he says, I can't relate. I, I said to him, I said, Andy, you understand my immune system, and you understand where I'm living. And if you can't relate to that, then that's on you, not on me. Uh, but I, I'm not here to sensationalize. I don't want your sympathy. This is what I have. I went through something bad, but I'm healthy-ish. But I was told you can't get this virus. So when your doctor says, at, at a, one of the best hospitals in the world, says you can't get this, not if you get this, you can't get this. That's why it's personal, not political. 
So thank you for allowing me to say that. All right. Um, and I don't even know how to follow that up. But I did want to mention that because this relationship is important to me. What we have every single day. And I do it because I enjoy it. Because, and there are times when you ruffle my feathers, and I do the same to you. But we, we've been in this together, and you listen. And, and I would never, ever be disingenuous with you. I would not. I, I would rather quit this job than be disingenuous. I never troll you. And if I do, we're in it together and we have fun with this. But I just, I want you to understand that. The approach of this show is reflective of me and my personality and who we are. And the people I have here who get a chance to speak on the air understand that of who we are and how we do this. That's, that's always been our motto and will be my motto until I stop doing this. So we're in it together. I want, I want sports back. If you said we're going to have it, we're overreacting. I told you yesterday, I am guilty of overreacting because I have to. It could be tragic if I don't. Okay? So that's why when I say something, I'm saying it from my heart. Not from some playbook. You know, somebody's telling me something or you need to get this agenda. I, I don't have a, an agenda. It's just us. It's just this group that you see right here. That's us. That's it. That's what we do and how we do it. And hopefully we do it in a way that is different. It's professional. And that's always been our approach. Yes, Seton O'Connor. Um, I hate to do this right now, but uh, earlier this morning, Andrew told me that he thinks uh, LeBron at two is too high on that NBA list. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Seton. Sorry, Andrew. Thank you for that segue. Um, really? LeBron at number two is too high. No, I just was trying to like, I was thinking, what can I get Dan to change the topic on? <laughs> nice. Well, if LeBron wins the title this year, is there an asterisk? Yeah. Well, I did look at the clock and I go, okay, I normally break around 17 after. I got six more minutes. I don't have anything else to say other than what I just said, and then you want to make that segue. So thank you, McLevin. Le well, do you want to talk about the Danettes at home bodily functions? Would that help? No, no, no. Uh, I don't want to do yeah. that either. <laughs> I got plenty. I, I, I don't want to do that. All right, we'll get to phone calls here, and uh, hopefully we're open for business. Really, it would make my job a lot easier. And hopefully it gets the economy back. And, you know, I heard from somebody last hour, Rob in Florida, who called in right at the tail end. And he said, you know, this is difficult. You know, you're, you're out of work or you can't have a normal life. And, you know, we're lucky we get to go to work. The hardships are going to be felt for a long, long, long time. And I hate hearing those stories, seeing those stories, going by restaurants that you normally go to and they're boarded up. I went into New York City. I had, I had to pick up my son when he flew in from Singapore with his fiance. We packed up two cars. So we were in our car. My wife drove down in the other one. We parked at Newark Airport and there was nobody in the parking lot. And he came out. He had been gone for six weeks. We had not seen him for six weeks. I waved to him. He had his mask on. I had my mask on. He got into the other car and then we drove back up to Connecticut. We drove through New York. I just wanted to see what New York looked like. This is a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago. I could have shot a cannon up 6th Avenue and not hit anybody. You know, so just when you see it, when you see it up close, I mean, it's as real as can get. 
And yes, it's hard to get away from it. That's why we try to provide a diversion. And I've tried my best to be that diversion every single day. We come in and go, what do we do? How do we make this fun? Who do we have on? That's why when we reach out to Will Ferrell, Brian Cranston, Adam Sandler, I just want to make you laugh. Have some fun. If you can check in with us for an hour, 30 minutes, whatever. That's, and we can help you in any way. That's our job. That's our public service. That's what we're here for. And to be able to do that is rewarding. When people say thank you, hey, for whatever small thing we do, you're welcome. And we hope to be able to continue to do it because you allow us into your life. There's no better compliment than you allow us into your life, into your car, into your home. You're watching now on YouTube. I mean, you, can, you can't give me a better compliment than that. And it's never, it's always on my mind. Every single day we do this. All right, a couple more phone calls, then we'll check in with uh, Nick Nurse, head coach of the Toronto Raptors. He better be damn funny. That's all I got to say after... Uh, <laughs> Fritzy, tell Nick Nurse to be funny when he comes on here. Like he's, he's preparing some material as <laughs> yeah, we speak. Yeah. Hopefully not your material. Oh, whoa, whoa, on, whoa. Where'd you come up with that? Uh, Kevin in Alabama joins us. Hi, Kevin. How are you today? Hey, you're doing pretty good, Mr. Patrick. How about you? Oh, spectacular. Spectacular. What's on your mind? <laughs> uh, I was just thinking. All right. There's no pro football teams in Alabama. If you can get 110,000 in Tuscaloosa, I'm sure you can get 50,000 Charger fans in Tuscaloosa and spread them out. <laughs> I guarantee you. Hey, as long as everybody is safe, Kevin, and we do this, I, I, I hope that wherever anybody could host a football game, they're able to do that. But thank you for the phone call. And yeah, I, I'm all for let's, let's push the boundaries on this a little bit to understand what we can and can't do right now. That's all. If we, if we can, I, I told the audience a stat last hour that I heard from somebody affiliated with the NFL. If NFL teams, the leagues come back, they were looking at, this was the estimate I was given, 60,000 tests per week. And I was told by this, my source who said, how could we possibly use up those 60,000 tests with a right mind with other people not getting tests? So there's so many things that we want to happen but there's hurdles of making that happen and getting over those hurdles. And there's smarter people than me who are going to help us figure that out. Yeah, Paul. I think what I'm most fascinated is with the NBA because their window is so short right now. And they've been very quiet. Adam Silver has been kind of on lockdown. Remember he did him about three weeks ago. was on with Rachel Nichols. I haven't heard a word from Adam Silver in but a while. But even Rob Manfred, baseball's commissioner, they're doing the smart thing. Right. I don't want to hear anything. I want you to be able to show me something. Because but, it feels like when they they tell you something, then you go, well, wait a minute. You said we were coming back March or May 15th. Now we're talking July 4th. July 4th with baseball. And and Rob Manfred hasn't said that, that my source said May 4th or uh, July 4th. Now, not Rob Manfred, but I, I'm, I'm glad that the commissioners are kind of hunkered down here to try to come up with solutions. Yeah, Paul. Until the day they make their announcement. Like Adam Silver right now is probably going through many different scenarios with his people, going through with doctors and, and lawyers and liability. But there's going to be a day out here in the next two or three weeks where the NBA announces we are doing yeah. this, yeah. and they're going to have to have everything buttoned up. I'm, I'm fascinated to know the backstory to get to that day. 
I can't imagine what it must be like for these commissioners where you go from one Zoom meeting to another Zoom meeting to another Zoom meeting of I'm going to talk to this politician. I'm going to talk to this member of the Players Association. Like you're just going on and on and on trying to come up with solutions, contingency plans. Greg in Illinois joins us. Hi, Greg. What do you have for me? Hey, DP. Tomorrow's Meet Friday, baby. Woo! Cheer up. Woo! Uh, hey, quick question for you. I think these uh, some of these hypotheticals of sports coming back has us fans thinking a little bit selfishly again, but a lot of this in part comes back to the guys who are actually playing the games. So is there a certain number of players uh, who – who have to say they won't come back or a certain caliber of player who says they, says no, that might change whether or not a sport comes back. Like what if, what if Mike Trout uh, says, I don't want to move my pregnant wife to Florida to, to not make the playoffs again. <laughs> I don't know if you need to add the don't make the playoffs again, but I understand what you're saying there, Greg. I don't know if every player is going to want to come back. You know, every marquee player, they want to get paid. And that's that's another thing. You have this squabble going on with the Players Association and uh, owners here. Of Are you going to pay us? How much are you going to pay us? Um, do you get a year of service here? Like, there's a lot of things in play. Not just, let's open up the gates and come back and play. Uh, I wish it was that simple. It's not going to be that simple anytime soon. But I hope when we hear from these commissioners, that's when they say, here is our plan. As much as the commissioner of the NFL, Roger Goodell, is full speed ahead with this NFL season, I know privately, I've been told, after telling the owners no hypotheticals, nobody talks hypotheticals, because he didn't want that. He wanted to have the schedule release with no hypotheticals. What if? Well, those are in place right now. And I had it reiterated to me yesterday that my source says he truly believes the NFL season starts in October. Truly believes that. That there will be a four-week sort of grace period, and they just remove that front part of the schedule and put it at the tail end. But that, that's just a source that's told me, and I trust the source who said, thinks that we do open up with the Buccaneers and the Bears October 8th on a Thursday night. So hopefully things change in the interim. Hopefully. Take a break. And we'll get to more phone calls coming up. We'll check in with uh, the Raptors head coach, Nick Nurse. What has he been told? How often does he stay in touch with his players? We'll uh, take a break. And does he think that the NBA champ will have an asterisk by its name at the end of the season if we play 20 after the hour? Back after this on the Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Got the Traeger Grill fired up. Got burgers there. You got Meat Friday tomorrow, but I said to Paulie, we should probably do like a preliminary Meat Friday. Got to get our weight up for the season. We do? I, don't, I always like to say that. Right. He's Nick Nurse, the uh, head coach of my Toronto Raptors. No matter where he goes, he wins. He's won in the D-League, British Basketball League, the Belgian Basketball League, all of the great leagues around the world, and he joins us now. Good morning, Coach. How are you? I'm good. Good morning, Dan. What's it, happening today? If we don't have an NBA season, do then the Raptors 
carry the title for another year? Are you two-time NBA champ? <laughs> or one time really long, <laughs> long <time. laughs> champs, I think. I, I had a trivia question. It's not a trivia question. I think it's just an interesting fact. Schools to produce an NBA Finals winning head coach and a Super Bowl winning quarterback. You're oh. on that list, Nick. Wow. Kurt Warner. Yes. The great Kurt Warner. Northern Iowa. You're yeah. on that list with Steve Kerr, Arizona. Nick Foles won a Super Bowl. Awesome. And here's one for you. Michigan is on the list. Tom Brady and Rudy Tomjanovich. Wow. So there, there you go. You learned something. That's it. That's all I needed to talk to you about, Coach. That is five really cool names to be associated with. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, how often do you stay in touch with your players? Um, not that often, to be honest. Uh, we've had a few um, Zoom calls. We, we've certainly got somebody from our training staff in touch with them uh, almost every day, every other day. Assistant coaches every every three or four days just to just to check in. What did you make of Shaquille O'Neal saying they should scrap the season altogether? Um, well, I, I, that's a school of thought, I guess. I mean, it's been two months now. Uh, I think the, the time is on our side. The longer we go and get things out, push things out, the safer things are going to be. But I also think that we've put in a lot of work this year. We've, we've, we've only got, you know, what we played 62 games or something like that. We've almost got it, got it done. So crowning a champion, if, if it's possible and if it's safe, I think we should still strive for that for sure. Have you heard a plan that you think would work? Well, um, I'm only hearing, you know, the same plans you guys are hearing. Um, and I think that um, getting it done and getting the competition on, I, I think for everybody's general psyche, I mean, fans, no fans, just getting something on TV and some competition that the, that the world, not, not only this country, but globally can, can tune in and watch, I think would be, would be uh, great for everybody. What would we hear if there were no fans and we're watching an NBA game. Yeah, I think you're going to hear a lot. To, well, I think I, I think a lot of us would have to adjust our <laughs> our normal in-game uh, uh, routine, whatever whatever that is. But uh, well, wait, how I would hear a lot? How colorful is your language during a game? Much more colorful than, than my mother would uh, hope it would be. Let's, let's put it that way. I, I hate to admit that, but I've, I've, I'd like to cut back on it someday. Maybe someday I will. Does it ever help when a coach yells at a player? Oh, for sure. But can't you get that? I, my, the message I get to my kids, the lower my voice, the more impact I have. And whenever a coach used to yell at me, I just tune him out after a while. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't think you can do it very constantly. I, I think, you know, ever, you know, you say ever, yeah, it does sometimes. I, I don't make a habit of yelling at the players at all. And rarely, I think I think you're probably looking at a half dozen times for a season maybe, and, and maybe less than that for for brief moments in a in a in a film room or something. Is uh, a player allowed to yell back? For sure. For sure, man. We're we're grown men here. We're we're having a discussion. Did you Everybody, ever yell at Everybody's Kawhi? participating sometimes. Did you ever yell at Kawhi? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. I, I, I did have some – Yeah, may, I mean, yeah, maybe. Maybe maybe one or two times in a film session. I, when, we, when we went down 0-1 to Orlando uh, in the opening round, 
I don't think anybody was spared that the next couple days there, including, and it was pretty, it was pretty, uh, change of, uh, <clears throat> feeling and momentum and thinking and attitude that we needed quickly. It's hard to envision you mad. Like you seem chill. <laughs> well, I think a lot of us are, uh, chilled and very nice and but when the competition starts when the competition starts you know you're competing and it's uh it's tough out there i think it's one of the things we see in the uh the last dance stuff man when the, when it's the heat of the battle we're seeing some guys that are anything to win and physical and knocking people around and whew, and, and whatever it takes you know but i know you're a chicago f how big a jordan fan were you i'm i was i was really you know, I was big. I was a big fan. I was caught up in the era of greatness. And, you know, I was I was probably more of a Phil fan. I was already a young coach, and I was really more fascinated probably with, with Phil Jackson than, than, than Michael. But, I mean, obviously – I mean, listen, I used to get in my car and drive five hours from Des Moines to Chicago, buy a standing room-only ticket and watch the game and drive five hours <laughs> back in the same day to go coach my, coach my team at Grandview University the next morning, you know. But you're trying I, – I know that we – it was acceptable back then, admired back then. Imagine if LeBron played that way and his personality was that way. Would we, would we allow LeBron to be the same way Michael was in the 90s? Well, I don't know. I think that's, again, a fascinating uh, thing to watch. I think that it certainly is different with the social media – constant glare of that in this day and age I think it I think it would certainly take a different you know thing but listen LeBron's competing like <laughs> he's competing like crazy too now I've, I've I've seen enough of him up close to know that he's he's out there to do whatever it takes to win too but when you watch LeBron would you ever allow LeBron in your mind to be better than Michael Jordan um what could well, he do I that you would go all right, he's going to be top 10 scoring and assist when it's all said and done. You can't ask for much more than that from an offensive player. Yeah, he, he's incredible, Dan. I think, I think that the only thing I can, I can say is this, is you know, tried to, tried to come up with game plans to stop him over and over and, and haven't, <laughs> haven't really been very successful. He, he, he's seen it all. He, he knows how to adjust to everything. He, he really, really is a pass you know, minded player. He really gets other the people the ball and he throws that thing a hundred miles an hour right to the shooting pocket. You know, uh, he makes the reads. He doesn't get rattled very often. You know, he, he's got a lot of things that make him really, really tough to, but to stop. Who has a bigger impact on the game 10 or 15 years from now, LeBron or Steph Curry? Um, well, I think they both have a huge impact. I, I think what Steph has done uh, as far as shooting from 30 feet or four, 35 feet or whatever has changed all over the world. I think little kids all over the world are bombing from, you know, the, <laughs> the three point line, but, but they say, forget about the three point line. Let's, let's back up another 10 feet and shoot too. Cause, cause this guy does it and they emulate him and, and the freedom that, that Kerr, you know, Steve Kerr's given him and he's created and the skill and all that stuff has, has certainly changed the game a lot. I think. Uh, but, but we can't be like Mike, Nick, we can't be like LeBron. But yeah. all of us think we can be like Steph Curry. That's why I think his impact will be yeah. – it, it'll be even larger than Michael's from the standpoint of every kid thinks he can play in the NBA. We knew we couldn't do what Mike did. 
We can't be 6'9", 270 like LeBron. Steph Curry, we can be 6'3", 190. It's a great point. I, I agree with you. Work, work, work on your handles like crazy. Figure out how to shoot lower release points so you can shoot it from 40 feet. And, and well, he practices a little bit too, you know. If I said we were going to have a game of horse, NBA coaches. Yes. Give me two other guys you'd want to go against. Two I'd want to go against? No, no. Give me the two other. Win or... <laughs> yeah. Give me the best game. If we played horse with NBA coaches. Oh, boy. That's, well, I, let me just, off the top of my head, I obviously think um, who, who are the really, really good players? Steve Kerr? Uh, Steve Kerr, Doc Rivers was an incredible player. Can Popovich uh, shoot? I assume at some point in his life he probably could. he was a, he was a, he was a, he was a good player too. Okay, um, that's a good question. I, I have to think about. So that you, one. Doc Rivers, and Steve Kerr, player. huh? You, Doc Rivers, Steve Kerr. Why are you putting me in there? I'm like I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. Those guys had great, great, great NBA careers. Multiple, multiple playoff wins, championship wins. Yeah, but you can shoot, right? You were one of the great shooters in Northern Iowa history. Yeah, that was a long time ago. I could I could shoot a little bit for a mid level college. Are you team. better than Are you a better shooter than anybody on the Raptors? Of course. Who are you better than? Most of them. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't take long. That didn't well, take long uh, to bring that out in you. Well, you know, shooter shooters are going to think they can shoot, right? I'll, <laughs> I'll take anybody on in a shooting competition. I love that. You would take Steve Kerr on. I would, but he beat me. He would. Well, if, all right. He probably would. You know, he would. Yeah. He, he didn't. How about Rick Carlisle? Rick Carlisle's another one. Yeah, he could see play. Some, see some footage of Rick there in the, in the last dance. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Well, he was trying to play defense. Yeah. I wouldn't want to. Yeah, well, maybe I would. Hey, but if you made the last dance, that means you played and you were guarding Mike. I would take that. You get embarrassed. Say you guarded him, right? Uh, the uh, Nick Nurse Foundation and uh, the limited edition T-shirt. Are, do you have the T-shirt on? I have a box and one T-shirt on right now. That's coming to the foundation shortly. Oh, good. That yeah. brings back bad memories, Coach. Why? My senior year, state basketball tournament. Yes. I played a box and <laughs> one on me. Oh, boy. And I got shut down. Yeah. I hate Sorry, the box and one. Sorry. I think it's that. cheap. Really? Yeah, guard me. Sorry about that. Yeah, boxing one. I'm guarding you really heavily. Guard, guard, done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the uh, the shirts say, "Be a team player, stay strong, stay safe." And um, you've got your sunglasses on there, holding the Larry O'Brien Trophy. The foundation supports children, young adults through exposure to music, sports, and literacy. When did you come up with this? Well, you know, wow. Ironically, we've been we've been obviously uh, planning the foundation for a while. We actually had our kickoff, uh, a night of music in support of the foundation on March 11th. We li- we literally were wrapping it up when the no- wow. news of Rudy Gobert came out. Yeah. Like we were all there. We I went straight to the hospital uh, to get tested right from right from that event. So we just we just kicked it off, and we're we're just trying to again we're trying to you know the the COVID 19 has changed things a little bit. So we're trying to figure out a way to support some kids through this and raise some money and that kind of stuff. What's the official website? Is it just Nick nurse foundation or do you have a, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Nick foundation.org. Yeah. Awesome. 
Uh, good to talk to you. I'm going to see if I can set up this horse game with you and some of these other coaches here. Okay, I'll be there. I like it. Uh, thank you, Coach. Great to talk All to right. you again. Thanks, Dan. That's uh, Nick Nurse Thanks, of my Toronto Raptors. We're going to take a break. Phone calls coming up next here in the Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live every day at youtube.com slash the Dan Patrick Show. Chris Sims from Pro Football Talk will join us on the show tomorrow. I saw where a rumor about the Seattle Seahawks thinking about trading Russell Wilson a couple of years ago to the Browns in exchange for the number one overall pick where they would have taken, I believe, Baker Mayfield Jr. the third. And Chris Sims is the one who said, I heard a rumor. So I want to ask him about rumor and how much fact is attached to this rumor about Seattle wanting to trade Russell Wilson for Baker Mayfield. Um, if I'm Cleveland, I would have loved to have made that move. Because if I had Russell Wilson on the Cleveland Browns, now we are a legitimate Super Bowl contender with that much talent. And Baker Mayfield is still a work in, in progress here. Um, but if it's true, it, I have a hard time believing that you would trade Russell Wilson. But if you're saying the only way we can get back to where we were is to have a rookie contract so now we can go out and we can make that defense the Legion of Boom again. We can fill in some of these other areas here. I understand that philosophy. But boy, I am trading a Hall of Famer for somebody who I'm not quite sure is going to be a great quarterback, even a very good quarterback. We'll talk to Chris Sims about that coming up on the program tomorrow. All right. I thought that that was kind of, kind of juicy. Also, as a former quarterback what it would be like to go to the line of scrimmage as your call echoes through the stadium with no fans. So we'll have Chris Sims on to talk about that. Yeah, Paulie. Going back to that story, first of all, I don't believe it, but I would like to know if there is any truth to that story about Russell Wilson and the Browns, who initiated the conversation? That's what I want to know. Because I could see the Browns saying, we have the number one pick. Can we parlay that into one of the top three quarterbacks in the league? I can't picture the Seahawks making a phone call saying, you know what? Unless Seattle says we're going to rebuild, and the the Browns the Browns weren't ready to win yet, but you're going to bring in Russell Wilson. Now you got to pay him. It feels like this was a negotiating ploy on the on Seattle's part of this. Remember, there was the rumor that Russ wanted to relocate to New York with his wife Sierra so she could be in the entertainment industry or be more involved. And I said, well, so the Giants are going to trade for Russell Wilson? I don't think that's happening. Now, maybe maybe they were thinking about it. It was a rumor, but I never heard any follow-up to any of that. Also, I don't know what you're doing in quarantine, but my wife and I started doing the, let's have the kids watch a movie that we love, that they haven't seen. Like, we watched Raising Arizona two nights ago, because some of my kids hadn't seen it. Uh, Diner is one that's on the agenda coming up tonight. Either that or broadcast news. So we're sort of going down the list of movies that we think that they would like. And it's interesting to see if they think it's a, like Raising Arizona. When I went to see that in the theater, and this is the Coen brothers, and you're there watching this movie and it just starts. There's, there's no credits. There's no nothing coming up. And I'm like, it feels like I'm 10 to 12 minutes in, and then all of a sudden, 
the title comes up of Raising Arizona, and then you just hear this. And I went, what just happened here? And I, my wife and I walked out of that movie and we went, that's something we hadn't seen before. Coen Brothers was, you know, they have, they have that ability to uh, surprise you. And there's so many. I go back to Blood Simple with the Coen Brothers. That, that's another. Miller, Miller's Crossing. Oh, brother, where art thou? The, the, the Coen Brothers did Miller's Crossing? I think they did. Oh, Miller's that's a great Crossing. movie. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Coen Brothers, they never uh, cease to amaze. All right, one movie that you guys would recommend. Now, my kids are 21 through 28. This isn't a movie for your kids. It's for my kids because you guys might have a better idea here. Paulie, I'll start with you. My kids are 11 and 8, and I really want to show the older ones. No, this is mine. Oh, for your kids. 21 through 28. Yeah, I don't care about your kids. Oh. It's about my kids. (laughs) Well, so they're old enough to watch anything. Yeah. I wonder if they've seen True Romance with Christian Slater. Ooh. They haven't seen that. That's a fantastic movie, especially if you have no concept of it and you put it on cold. A lot of violence. A lot of violence, but good violence. That's a a Tarantino? I don't know. if I think he may have written it. I don't don't know if he directed it or the other way around. Todd? Spooks, The Shining, depending on what mood you're in on a given night. Okay. The Shining? The Shining, by far to me, the scariest movie ever, but if you want to keep it light, Airplane, I thought was hysterical. I loved that movie. Okay. I like that one, too. Shining's a little heavy. Uh, McLovin. First of all, I just want to say I love the three movies so much. Broadcast News is the best. And Diner. Uh, I would go with Add the Graduate to that list for that age group. He's uh, with Dustin Hoffman. I think that really speaks to 20-somethings. Okay. Seton O'Connor. You know, a movie I just watched with, uh, I remember as a kid watching and loving, and just this past weekend I watched it with my son, who's 10, uh, was Monty Python and the Holy Grail, Mm. which might be the dumbest movie of all time. It, It is so impossibly stupid. It opens, well, one, so he was like, Dad, I can't tell if I love this movie or hate this movie. It's kind of both. Um, but it opens with like four minutes of credits. Just as like that's the opening joke is credits, and he was like, "Dad, is this the end or what's <laughs> happening?" Um, we were thinking of this is Spinal Tap too as another one. Oh yes, that's a great movie, great. Be- because Waiting for Guffman and Best in Show, like they they loved Best in Show. Best in Show is so good because of Fred Willard. <laughs> how Seriously, much can you? Bet? That was good. <laughs> you and I have been saying that. Line oh, for I know, I know. Even when we'd have guests on. Seriously, how much can you bet? Remember we did that with Mark Wahlberg? Came on, he goes, like, seriously, how much can you bet? I think we asked someone that yesterday. <laughs> did we ask Mike Frable? Yeah. Seriously, how much can you bet? How much can you bet? Uh, Matt in Seattle. Hey, Matt, what's on your mind today? Hey, guys. Long-time caller. Uh, or sorry, long-time listener, first-time caller. Uh, I want to say, first off, thank you guys for um, continuing your show. Uh, I listen to you guys every morning on my way to work. Thank you, Matt. Um, I just wanted to say, uh, going back to that uh comment earlier about the who's you would have bet on uh to make the hall of fame after the first couple of seasons my main one would have been tim lincecum he, had, he started off on fire and then he just kind of dwindled out so that would i thought that would be a cool one to uh yeah uh, put that, that's a good suggestion thank you matt does he have two Cy Youngs? Yeah, he had back-to-back Cy Youngs at age yeah. 24 and 25, Tim Lincecum, and never was a top five Cy Young guy again. We got a few Mark Pryors. 
But you also had with Lincecum, the, the big knock was his windup because it, it, it looked like physically it's impossible to continue to do that. And I mean, he was a wiry guy, but he had that windup where you wondered, could his back, could his body withstand that of making 30 starts a year? Adam in Indiana joins us. Adam, what do you have for me today? Hey, I would try the game with Michael Douglas with the uh, kid. Okay. You remember that movie. But, no, uh, I appreciate your show and appreciate you not going political on us. But uh, what I was calling in about was Dennis Rodman, to me, has to be top 20, top 10 in my book almost. But people acted like he couldn't score. But I remember... In that last Bulls run, I don't think it was the last year, but it was one of those three championships, and it was the game before, and he, like, missed a free throw or something, and people were talking about he couldn't shoot. And he's like, I could score 25 points a game. And the very next night, he come out and almost went to 30. So, yeah, he was a good scorer in junior college. Thanks for the phone call, Adam. Um, you know, he... He got bored. It almost like he was bored with scoring. He didn't want to. He'd get to the free throw line and, and he didn't care. His job was getting rebounds. But no, he's not a top twenty player. And he's a, he's a unique player, but he's not a top twenty player. When he was with the Pistons, that was when Dennis Rodman was a great player. And that's going to sound strange because oh, he's out getting sixteen, seventeen, eighteen rebounds a game. He wasn't great in my opinion, back then, with the Bulls. He was great with the Pistons. He ran all day. He guarded Worthy. He guarded Bird. Whoever you wanted him to guard, he was going to guard. And he was tireless. That was when Rodman was great. Two hours in the books, one more to go. Update the poll results. Fritzy's got his scoreboard challenge as well. We got some burgers on the Traeger today. (laughs) 